630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Tomorrow, Oilers and Kraken. The Kraken bringing their tentacles to town. Watch out for those tentacles. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Chad Game's going to start at 7. End of the first quarter. Monday Night Football, 14-7. Cowboys leading the Eagles. And, of course, the Elks play the Red Blacks tomorrow as we bring in Dave Campbell from Ottawa. He and Morley are going to have the broadcast on Kissing Country 103.9. So, Dave, as you know, I, I am, of course, when you're hosting a radio show, you try to limit the background noise. So when I'm watching a game when I'm hosting, the TV's on mute. So right. I, I did not have this channel on the last two Mondays, but I guess what I, I, I guess whatever I was previously watching was on this TSN channel. So I have this Manning cast on, where the game is in the big box, and then Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are in the little boxes talking about the game, but I, right. I can't hear what they're saying. So I don't. I, I, it seemed to me <laughs> it's gotten mixed reviews. Some people love it, and other people were like, oh, I prefer the you know the traditional commentators or it gets distracting after a while because they bring guests on and stuff though i saw nick saban's going to be on tonight so i'm sure Stoffer will be uh will be watching that but i'm watching the manning cast i had no idea how it sounds though well i'm i'm, I'm guessing that peyton will be doing more talking than eli that's just that's just my impression uh but that would be very interesting to hear uh the manning brothers do their thing and uh man nick saban that's going to be a very interesting show. I, I just watched the uh, – now I sound like Stoff. But I just watched the, uh, the uh, Football Life on NFL Network the uh, uh, on Nick, Nick Saban. And uh, I tell you, I have a better appreciation for Nick Saban than I did before watching that little documentary. Uh, th- this, is a, this is a good football man. And, uh, you know, he's got uh, – the thing with football, and you know this, is sometimes, especially when you're a head coach, you don't let people see – the other side of you. And we know Nick Saban's a very demanding old school kind of guy, but there's another side to him that I think is very genuine and, and, and really, really cool. So uh, that will be a pretty cool episode. The, uh, the Mannings and Nick Saban. Yeah. uh, And you know what? You and I watch a lot of football and to me, there are a lot of great commentators. There are a lot of great former players who go into the broadcast booth and can break down plays Mm -hmm. But I really think when we look back, maybe we already can because he's been doing it a few seasons now, Tony Romo changed everything, not just his analysis, because, you know, Troy Aikman is, can tell you what happened on a play. I, I enjoy Collinsworth working with, with Al Michaels. But Romo was the, really the first guy to just jump in there with the play-by-play guy and tell you what is going to happen next, not just tell you after the play what happened and why it happened, you know, Romo, yeah. it, it, he still does it. You know, he'll be like, uh, oh, what, what, the, the quarterback's coming. They're going to go hot over the middle. Seven-yard pass coming. And it'll it'll happen most of the time. I mean, he he added that. And I wonder, as great as the Mannings, you know, especially uh, I, I know Eli uh, got a couple of Super Bowls as well as as, as Peyton. But, but you know, it, I, I don't know if this Manning cast happens without Romo doing that. I, I, I really don't because yeah. it, got, it, it brought a different level of analysis and, and what the audience now wants to uh, get in terms of the, the depth of their analysis and even being told what might happen before it happens. You know, and, and, and the thing with Romo too is he doesn't do it on every play like he used to because I think it just got a little bit too much. It's like, okay, it's a little distracting. But when it's a key moment, 
he will tell you what he thinks will happen and he's usually right. And I think it does add to the broadcast. Uh, I mean, Jim Nance and Phil Sims were, were pretty good, but Romo has brought that broadcast team up even further. And like you say, Aikman's good. Aikman's just grumpy a lot. And sometimes I like that because I like to be grumpy too sometimes, but Collinsworth is probably my favorite on for, for this basis or for this reason is because he's honest. He's just, he says what he feels and he doesn't do it out of any sort of malicious intent or any callousness. He just says what he feels. And, and I like that a lot. And I think that adds to the analysis uh, for, uh, for someone that loves the game like, like, like I do and like you do. So, but there's no question. Romo has elevated uh, the, the color analyst world of football and television, and he's probably the best at it. And uh, I just like the fact that he's kind of toned down the, oh, this is going to happen. But when he does it, it's on a key moment during the game. And I think it's great. They're talking to LeBron James. Uh, again, I can't hear any of this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're getting guests on during the broadcast, which is which is pretty cool. It's it's part talk show and, and part watching a game live, I, I, I guess. So LeBron James is on right if, now. I wonder if Peyton has someone like, hey, go text LeBron. Here's his number. Go text him, right? Because he's probably, he probably got already so has many... the number. Well, I know, but he's like, here, go text him. Because like Peyton's talking all the time, right? So... That'd be, yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I Again, I don't know how good Eli would be. It's kind of like his quarterbacking career, even though he did win two, two Super Bowls. Um, but, you know, Peyton would be worth the price of admission. Well, uh, maybe I'll have time to watch after Inside Sports tonight. I got a little bit more work to do <laughs> after the show, but that's okay. All right, uh, you're in Ottawa. The review. Elks are in Ottawa. What's that? We need a review from Reed Wilkins. Yeah, well, yeah, people are waiting to hear that. Okay, so the Elks, <laughs> what, what's the what's the COVID? Because you know, yesterday a couple people got in touch with me when they saw the David Beard news and said, "Uh oh, they're not going to travel. This game's going to be put off." I mean, I mean, you you tend to get a pessimistic reaction, though to some extent, I I, I understood it. What what's happening COVID wise here for the Elks? I mean, obviously they're there and they're going to play, but who's not available? What's going on? So David Beard is not available. He was placed on COVID protocol after the injury report or when the injury report was released after practice. So he didn't practice yesterday. So the, the, uh, the, I would assume it's a positive result from the previous day's tests. So he was not on the field. So that's, uh, that's going to put Tyler Higby into uh, action, his first CFL game uh, in American center, which is, uh, you know, not, doesn't happen every day in the CFL. Uh, but for Beard, we'll see what happens. He's on the one-game injury list. And, you know, now, you know, we'll see about tomorrow. My my, my best uh, indication is that they're going to play tomorrow. But, like, this happened in Vancouver. Kwaku Botang was in COVID protocol, didn't go to Vancouver. Elks won their first game against the Lions. And we know what happened about two, three days later. So I think we're going to be holding our breath a little bit. And let's just see how this plays out and let's hope that you know this team has learned from that outbreak and we're not going to have history repeat itself because it's awfully familiar isn't it well yeah it is so hopefully it doesn't it doesn't expand uh expand the beyond this so for, and then they don't play again until next friday right so if yeah. it's just beard he might even be eligible to come back for that game yeah that's correct yeah so okay it, you know i mean he's going to get retested and you know hopefully it's you know hopefully it's a false positive that's the best case scenario here if not then he's probably going to have to be out for the 
you know, the 10 days to two weeks, whatever the protocol is now. Um, but, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like it's it's overly serious with, with David, which is good because uh, he's probably the best center in the league uh, on, along the offensive line. So let's just hope that that's just isolated to David and that he'll, he'll uh, be able to get through this okay. All right. Trevor Harris is active, but it sounds like Taylor Cornelius will still be the starting quarterback. First of all, how does this work with Harris coming back from the six-game DL after one game? What's the rule? Okay, so in the CFL, you can pull players off of the six-game injured list at any time. So there's it used to be where you only had like one per half or two, two pulls per half, but you can pull players off at any time. Um, it just counts against your cap. Now, there are scenarios where, you know, you can get a, a free pull. And, for example, Bo Levi Mitchell in 19, uh, he his first two-thirds of the season were, were free on the cap for the Calgary Stampeders because he was on, he was on two six-game injured uh, stints, and they, they took him off early on the second stint. And uh, that's the only way you can get a, get any savings on the cap is you've got, I think, one or two polls a year that you can do it that way. But for Trevor Harris, he missed one game. Uh, that game didn't count against the cap. But now that he's been pulled off, uh, he'll, his salary will count against the cap for Winnipeg and it'll count against the cap tomorrow. And honestly, I know there's some people that, you know, have raised eyebrows and I honestly can't blame them. It's like, well... You put them on the sixth game, and then you pull them off after one. Well, I, I do think, and they're calling it neck, but we've heard neck head. So I have to assume he was in some sort of concussion protocol, even though officially that's, that's you know, the team never said he was in concussion protocol. But, you know, a lot of teams just throw guys on the sixth game if they're not sure of the, of the length of the injury. And if they're able to come back, they just pull them off. And, you know, the only thing is that the, the salary doesn't, you don't get any savings from that, you know, from that six game stint because it all goes back on the cap. So I honestly think it was uh, as well. Trevor Harris, you know, he, it, the, the biggest thing with him in these situations is he, he wants to do so darn much and, and, and he wants to do more than he should. And I think this was kind of like a compromise where like, he would like to come back tomorrow and play, but they're like, We're, we don't think you're ready yet. So we'll take you off the sixth game, and we'll put you on the field. You can do a bit of work, kind of elevate your your conditioning, but we're going to go with Taylor Cornelius as the, as the number one because what the club didn't want to do is have a situation like they had with Taylor Cornelius in the Winnipeg game where Trevor Harris was practicing for two days and then pulled himself out at the near the end of day two and Taylor Cornelius gets one day of full reps. They, you know, Jamie Elizondo wanted to give him the 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 entire uh, prep week for uh, for reps. So he didn't really want to upset the apple cart. So uh, this is why I think Harris got pulled off is to kind of elevate his workload in, in his recovery to come back because it does sound like to me he could very well be ready to go for Winnipeg next week. But just to be fair to Cornelius and his preparation. Um, and let's say, like, it's a winnable game tomorrow. It, it really is. And I do think they can beat the Red Blacks with Taylor Cornelius. But now he'll have three full days of practice with the first-team offense, and I think that's a benefit for Cornelius. So they just didn't want to repeat of what happened, you know, the, the week before, where it was like, oh, well, now the starter only gets one day of full reps, even though Harris is a veteran and probably could get away with that. But they wanted to give Cornelius every opportunity to go in there and, 
and, and have the, the full amount of reps. All right. And before I let you go, uh, I mean, look, maybe famous last words here. Ottawa is terrible, but they did beat the Elks earlier in the season. They, yeah. they, they virtually never score. And I have no idea who this quarterback is tomorrow. <laughs> Neither do I. Okay. <laughs> Just, all I've done was, you know, I looked a little tape, a little, little bit of tape of him. His numbers are great out of uh, Louisiana Monroe. We're talking about Caleb Evans, who's going to start. Um, had a lot of touchdowns, a lot of yards at Louisiana Mon- Monroe, a lot of rushing yards, a lot of rushing touchdowns. We're going to see him start because Dominic Davis is on the six game injury list with a hamstring injury. And, Matt Nichols is out with neck and shoulder problems, which is, you know, going all the way back two years ago when he uh, his season ended with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He still isn't right. Um, so we're going to see this Caleb Evans. We're going to see the, the backup tomorrow's fellow by the name of Taron Christian, who uh, played at South Dakota State and had some NFL looks as well. And the thing with these two quarterbacks, like a lot like Cornelius, is they can throw and they can run. So this will be interesting to see what happens. But you know, look, there's no excuses here. They're playing a, a team as bad as the Elks have been offensively. It's, it's about scoring touchdowns. At least they've moved the football. The Red Blacks haven't moved the football and they can't score. Three of their six games, they didn't score an offensive touchdown, including the game they won in Edmonton, their only game. So if you let this one get away, um, wow, that's just a, a severe indictment on, on this football team. They cannot drop this one tomorrow. Uh, you know, all right, and, and, and they, yeah, go ahead. And just said, sorry, who got released today? Walker, uh, Brian Walker, Brian Walker. Yeah. Okay. So high hopes for him was the uh, Sam linebacker starting Sam linebacker coming in, had the COVID situation along with Sir Vincent Rogers in week one, uh, only played two games and kind of struggled. And then Derek Moncrief was signed and he's the starting Sam linebacker. And so, I mean, it's an expensive backup to have on your roster. So he's been let go. Hopefully he finds a team. And Chris Kasher has been signed, who uh, had a good season in 2019. as uh, He's a defensive end, played for the Stampeders. 34 defensive tackles, seven quarterback sacks. For some reason, the Lions brought him into camp and didn't sign him or didn't keep him. They cut him. Uh, this is a pretty this is a pretty decent uh, rush end for the, for the Elks. And that's, you know, maybe a side story we haven't talked about enough. I think their pressure on the quarterback has to get a little bit better. And uh, he can definitely help. All right, 4.30 tomorrow, Kiss and Country, game at 5. You got it. 5.30. All right, Dave, thank, thanks for checking. Sorry, game at 5.30. Thanks for checking in, man. A lot of storylines. This one will be interesting. Looking forward to it, buddy. We'll see you soon. And congratulations on having two sports names you really love on the same night, along with Elks and Oilers, but Kraken and Red Blacks. The, yeah, this is I love both of those. This is Reed Wilkins. Yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> Red Blacks. There we go. Oh, All right, take it. care, buddy. See you later, man. <laughs> All right, that's Dave Campbell checking in from Ottawa. Yeah, so it's on Kissing Country 103.9. Countdown to kickoff at 4.30. Game at 5.30 right here on 6.30. Chad, 5.30 face-off show. Game at 7. The Oilers and the Tentacle team. Back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports on Chad.
right, good to have Dave Campbell on the show from Ottawa. We had Glenn Gullitson, Oilers assistant coach, on as well. I spoke to Tim Shipton on the Faceoff show last night about getting into Rogers' place tomorrow. You have to show proof of vax or proof of a negative COVID test 72 hours or less before the start of the game tomorrow. And uh, Shipton adding, remember, uh, a change to uh, what you can bring in when it comes to bags into Rogers' place. The other thing that we're bringing forward uh, due to the pandemic is a no-bag policy. Um, so, so small clutch bags uh, um, for, for ladies or for men, wallets are still uh, permitted, but uh, no backpacks, no bags in the venue. If anybody has any questions, we're throwing a lot of information at folks. You can go to rogersplace.com. We've got our, uh, our fan guide, our A to, Z's, a to Z guide. Uh, or A to Z guide in Canada will answer all questions. All right. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock game, 5.30 coverage with the face-off show here on 6.30. Chet, fans back in the building. Seattle Kraken coming to town for the first time. Oil Kings getting ready to start their season on Friday. We'll see what shook down in the preseason. Are they getting some players back from NHL camps? Andrew Peard, their play-by-play voice, checks in next. Dallas 20, Philadelphia 7 with four minutes left in the first half. Monday Night Football, both teams coming in at 1-1. One and one. Preseason play in the National Hockey League. Final minute of the third. Montreal up 5-2 on the Maple Leafs. The Blue Jackets have beaten the Penguins 3-0. Stars and Blues 1-1 late in the second period. Flames and Canucks, Kings and Coyotes will start at the top of the hour Oilers and Kraken tomorrow, 7 o'clock at Rogers Place. We'll get you going here on 6.30, Chad, with our face-off show at 5.30. And don't forget, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. The Edmonton Oil Kings also getting ready to rock and roll. The Oil Kings, uh, a really good team, two years in a row, and uh, they didn't get to play any playoff games because of the pandemic. So hopefully they're going to be strong again this season. With a look ahead, pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, Andrew Peard. He's the play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oil Kings. Andrew, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, Reed. How are you tonight? I am doing very well. Thanks for hopping on the show. It's uh, It's been nice to get to know you over the last couple of years. Uh, in one of your many roles, of course, is helping to uh, wrangle guests for shows like this one with the Oil Kings. So I, I, so I always like to, to get someone's uh, story out there their, their first time they're on the show. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, getting into broadcasting, getting into play-by-play. Was this something that uh, would a young Andrew Peard be sitting in front of the television calling whatever game was on? Or uh, tell us about the interest there. But you know what? It actually started uh, back in somewhere in the, the mid-90s in, uh, at the Regina Agridome in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, taking in Pats games with my dad. And, um, you know, we, we'd go to all the home games. And uh, I remember one day he said, you know, when they're not here, they, they play these road games and you can listen to them on the radio. So he, he bought me a radio. And uh, next thing I knew, I was listening to Rod Peterson call hockey games. And I thought, boy, that'd be really cool to do that for a job one day. And then um, you know, you fast forward 20 years later and I uh, got my start with uh, the White Court Wolverines in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. I think that's how I came to, to initially come into contact with you, Reed, just kind of going over our days uh, working with Gord Thibodeau and then, uh, you know, got the opportunity to come here to Edmonton and now uh, working uh, full-time with the Oil Kings in their communications and uh, broadcasting role. 
All right, tell me a little bit about the AJHL team in Whitecourt because uh, that is well after I stopped covering the league, at least on a first-hand basis. Whitecourt was not in the team uh, in the AJHL when, when I was covering, you know, primarily Lloyd Minster and a little bit of Bonneville. Um, and I don't think Wolver- uh, Whitecourt's that big of a community. How's uh, how's the, it work for the team there? No, yeah, it's not a big community at all. I think it's about 10,000 people live in Whitecourt, and this is going to be their 10th year in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and they are formally the St. Albert Steel, who, of course, are formally the Fort Saskatchewan Traders. And, yeah, 10 years ago, Brent Stark and his wife, Tracy, they purchased the team in, in uh, St. Albert and uh, moved them up to uh, to Whitecourt. And, you know, they, they found a lot of success there, and it's not easy to do in, in such a small town, but they marketed the team so well. And, you know, they were so integrated in that community that, that the people wanted to come out and support them and that hockey team. And, you know, it's been a resounding success there in Whitecourt. Of course, Brent and Tracy actually just sold the team before this year, but um, it was... Uh, a great place to start my broadcasting career working for you know two excellent people as well at the the radio station up there uh, xm 105 uh with uh, with neil shuchuk and uh, everyone there so um it, it's a it's a real good fit for the ajhl and i hope it continues to be so for years to come yeah well i i do remember uh some of that saga from my time in lloyd minster was it the the saints went from st albert to spruce grove for Saskatchewan yeah. eventually went to St. Albert, but they were called the Steel. Okay, so now the, now the Steel are the, are the white court franchise. <laughs> yeah. So, but obviously, um, yeah. you know, and, and I grew up in a in a rural town, Evansburg, much smaller than than White Court. So when you talk about the population of a of a of a town, you 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 don't include all the people that live around. So no. I'm assuming White Court drew a lot of people from smaller towns nearby, people living on farms, ranches, things like that. Yeah, they got a ton of uh, support from, you know, the Woodlands County surrounding area. You know, Evansburg, not that far away. Uh, Marathorpe, uh, Barhead, uh, fans would kind of come from all over those small towns. And, you know, it was uh, it was a real community atmosphere at, at the games there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you talk to any of the other broadcasters around the AJHL, and they'll tell you the Scott Safety Center is not the nicest barn on the, uh, on the old tour. But uh, we liked it. It was our home. It was a bit of a jungle in there some nights. But uh, it was a lot of fun to go into uh, with uh, a pretty raucous uh, crowd. How would they do the road trips, or do they do the the road trips for the Wolverines? I know with Grand Prairie and especially with Fort McMurray, they often might go to a town for a couple of games. Uh, White Court is not nearly as as far north as some of those communities, but it's mm-hmm. sort of not quite in that Highway Two strip or just off either, where you find some teams. How do they work the travel for the Wolverines? Yeah, the travel wasn't bad. Like you mentioned, we did have those like two offs up in Grand Prairie, which is only about three hours from White Court, but you know, just long enough where if you're going that far, you might as well play two. Uh, Fort McMurray, same thing. You'd go up there, play a couple of games, then maybe, you know, turn it into a bit of a longer trip, hit Bonneville and Lloyd Minster before shooting back. But the travel wasn't so bad because, I mean, Drayton Valley was about an hour's bus ride away. Uh, Spruce Grove, just a little bit further. Shirt Park, just a little bit further. And even um, Camrose wasn't too hard to get to as well. So, you know, the longer trips were when you go to the South Division, but you'd only have to go to their rinks once a year. So you'd bang off, you know, two extended road trips a year where you'd play you know, half the South Division on one trip, half the South Division on the other. So, uh, yeah, the travel wasn't all that bad until, of course, my last year there, we played the Brooks Bandits in the league final. And so <laughs> back and forth to there. But you know what? Fortunately, they had a guy by the name of Kale McCarr on their team, and he made that series uh, uh, over pretty quickly. Was that one of the years Brooks only lost three games? Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was something like that. Like, it, I mean... I mean, I think if you add it up over two or three years, they're still at single-digit losses with the powerhouse they've created down there. It's it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, Ryan Papuano, he's done a, a real great job 
uh, turning that into a, a real hotbed for junior A hockey. Now, did you have an analyst on the Wolverines broadcast or were you flying solo? Because those are really, the, the you know, I think, you, and I'm not a play-by-play person, but I think you really cut your teeth when it's just you for like three hours, play-by-play, intermissions, post-game, all the, like, that's the, that's the guys that really learn how to do it all. Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I did. But I do got to give a shout-out to my buddy Logan Walters up in Whitecourt. He, he'd come on every now and then when his, uh, his schedule would allow for it. He'd, he'd pop in the uh, the color booth for me for a couple of games a year and, and take the bit, a bit of a load off. But no, I mean that's that's really the best way to to, to sink your teeth into broadcasting is you, you go do these games by yourself and you know you're you're kind of uh, you know jumping out of a plane without a parachute a lot of nights and you know it's you, you figure out a plan on your way down and uh, but you know what I I'm very thankful for for those opportunities and you know we still do the game solo on the road I, I do have Guy Flaming on our broadcast uh, once again this year but uh, he'll only travel as far as Red Deer he's got a real real tough contract so I can only get him as far as Red Deer but uh, it definitely helps. Andrew Peard from the Oil Kings play-by-play chair joining us tonight on Inside Sports. A little bit about his uh, journey to the Oil Kings uh, through the White Court Wolverines. I love the AJHL and a lot of the stories surrounding that league. Okay, uh, Oil Kings uh, preseason. I, I think it was an overtime loss on uh, on Saturday. How, how many games did they play and uh, what were some of the storylines for them through the preseason? Yeah, they played uh, five preseason games and they went uh, two, one, and two. Their last two games were against Calgary this past weekend. They lost both by a score of two to one in overtime. And I mean, I guess the real story from the Oil Kings training camp this year wasn't so much of who was there, which I'll get to in just a second, but who wasn't there. I mean, they had nine guys at NHL training camps. You know, the the upper echelon guys like Jake Neighbors with St. Louis, Dylan Gunther, of course, down in Arizona. Both those guys are still with their NHL teams, and Jalen Lightman as well. He's still with the Chicago Blackhawks. We just got Sebastian Kosa, our star goaltender back from the Detroit Red Wings, Carson Latimer from the Ottawa Senators, uh, and a number of guys. Uh, Josh Williams is on his way back from the, the Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. So, you know, the, the, the preseason was really interesting because a lot of young guys got a ton of ice time. And while the Oil Kings do return a ton of players from last year, there are still a handful of spots up for grabs. And I think the coaching staff and the management staff got a real good look at, at those few guys that are fighting for those those uh, small chances to, to crack this Oil Kings team. So uh, I think it was a really, really good preseason for Edmonton. And the fact that missing all those guys, you still come out with two wins, you got to be pretty pleased with that. Okay, sorry. Uh, did you mention Gunther? Sorry if I missed him in there. Yeah, yeah, Dylan Gunther. He's still down uh, with uh, with the he's, Arizona he's still, Coyotes right okay. now. Okay, yeah. still. I, I was I was trying to jot all that down as you were, as you were saying it. Uh, okay, all right. Well, and the, I mean, but the expectations. I, I mean, is it fair to say they should be high again? And and I mentioned the unfortunately because of the pandemic, you don't get a postseason two years in a row. But is 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 it fair for fans in Edmonton to think, yeah, if I go to an Oil Kings game, like I'm, I'm going to see an elite team here in the Western Hockey League. Oh, 100%. It's it's completely fair, and that's the mindset of this team. They, they're, they're welcoming of the, the high expectations. Um, the theme of this year is unfinished business. I mean, last year, 23 games, no playoffs. 2019-20, when this team was really emerging and had the best record in the Eastern Conference, and all of a sudden, with uh, a week left in the regular season, the whole world got shut down with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. They haven't had their opportunity to take that step forward after that sort of surprising year in 1819 when they went from being dead last in the CHL to all of a sudden playing in the Eastern Conference final against the Prince Albert Raiders they never got that chance to follow that up but the good news is year after year they've been able to return all these players now 
We're still waiting on Jake Neighbors. We're still waiting on Dylan Gunther. Uh, they're they're getting long, extended, much well-deserved looks at NHL camps. But you get those two players back, and you look up and down this lineup, with the exception of losing Matthew Robertson, they haven't lost a ton from these last couple of years. And uh, to, to say expectations are high, I think, would almost be an understatement. Well, that's good to hear. That, that is absolutely good to hear. How's the schedule look in the WHL? Did they make any adjustments because of, of COVID, or are they back to traveling to all the places they, they would have usually traveled? And I know it's a heavy divisional schedule anyway, but how does it look now? Yeah, yeah it's, they're, they're creeping back towards it. Of course, last year was just interdivisional play. Uh, this year, it's interconference play. We're not going to go and play the BC teams. We're not going to go and play the U.S. teams. They'll just play against each other. Uh, we'll play the Central Division teams. Then, of course, we'll play the East Division teams, the teams in uh, Saskatchewan and, and Manitoba. So we're getting a little bit more of that, that competition back, which will be really good because, you know, last year, I, I think these teams got sick of each other. There's only 23 games, but, uh, you know, you, you got to see every team six times. So uh, that'll be nice to see those, uh, those other uh, teams from, from Saskatchewan and Manitoba for sure. I'm just looking at the schedule, uh, an extended road trip while the World Juniors are uh, in Edmonton, which is which is no surprise. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be great to have a full season of WHL hockey for sure. Let people know how they can uh, hear you call the games. And, and I, I believe they can stream games too if they want, right? Yeah, if, uh, if you want to watch the games uh, online, you can do so by going to, uh, I believe it's uh, chl.tv.ca. Uh, you can get the, the online subscription there. Or you can tune into our broadcast uh, this year exclusively on oilkings.ca. There'll be, you just go to oilkings.ca, there'll be a listen live button. You click that 15 minutes before game time, and uh, you'll have me and Geek Flaming for, for the rest of the night uh, calling all the action. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, uh, for the home games, uh, we're, we're, we're fully uh, expecting fans back in attendance, and, and we're really excited to have them back starting uh, on Friday with the Rebels in here for the home opener. Yeah, well, that's going to be a fun one for sure. Well, Andrew, thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, first time you've actually uh, been on the show, so I, I hope it's not not the last. And, of course, we'll be talking to Brad Lauer and some of the guys throughout the season as well. So thanks in advance for uh, putting up with my text messages saying, hey, I want to have this guy on and all that, all that kind of stuff that I bug you with. Really appreciate it, buddy. Enjoy the season. Hey, my pleasure, Reed. Anytime you need me or anybody from the team, you know, uh, you got my phone number, so uh, happy to, to have them on the show. Right on. That is great stuff. That is Andrew Peard, the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. And, and he said it, high expectations. Go ahead and have them for the Oil Kings. They, they should be good. They don't have everybody back from the NHL camps yet, but even so, some competition for spots. Uh, got through the preseason 2-1-2, a couple of overtime losses to Calgary. So, yeah, a lot of optimism for the Oil Kings. Again, that first game is this Friday, October 1st when the Oilers are in Everett playing the Seattle Kraken, the Oil Kings take over Rogers Place 7 o'clock Friday against the Rebels, and then they're going to be in the beautiful community of Red Deer on Saturday to finish off that season opening home and home. All right, it is 7.46. Back after this timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. tuning in tonight inside sports on 630 chat glenn gullitson was on the show a little bit earlier he's the assistant head coach for your he's the assistant coach for the edmonton oilers he is uh, the guy in charge 
of the power play. We hit on a lot of stuff. I just want to get to a couple highlights of the interview. And he did say, uh, yes, indeed, Zach Hyman becomes the net front guy on the first unit. Yeah, that's exactly where he, he's going to jump in for us. And, uh, you know, just that power play, it has some chemistry or, or you know, with the right shot and in front of the net. It just kind of works with our flow. And uh, so Zach will, Zach will jump in there. You're also going to see Jesse Coy Harvey jump in there as well, too. They're going to they're gonna kind of go at it a little bit like James ne- like Neeler and, and Chaser did uh, for the last couple of years. So you're going to see a little mix of that. And, and I think you're... You know, I, I can say this with, with some certainty that you're, you're probably going to see a little bit more of a second unit this year at times. And, um, you know, that that's by design. Uh, you know, talking with our top guys, we want to we wanna make sure that we're, we're putting everything, uh, spreading everything out a little bit and getting guys lots of touches on the puck. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that uh, uh, I, I would not be able to name the second unit for the past few seasons because the first unit often scored. Or, or just didn't come off the ice. Um, w- when you say a second unit, dare I ask, will that be a five-man second unit or will that be a three-man second unit with 97 and 29 staying on the ice? No, it, you know, it, it'll, it'll be a five-man unit that we'll use at times, but you're certainly going to see, um, you know, get into that minute 15, minute and a half mark of our, of our top unit being out there. But, um, you know, just at different times of the game, obviously the score clock's going to dictate what we do a little bit but at, at the end of the day we, we we feel that moving forward as a group as, as 20 guys that we're going to be better if you know there's some other players uh on this team that are counted on to produce and sometimes when you don't get those touches in in, in prime offensive positions you can squeeze a little bit through the rest of the year so um we want to make sure that we're getting everybody some touches uh we will keep you know obviously that those top guys uh will, will be out there still for their minute 15 minute and a half and, but, but we're going to see a second unit from time to time, and we're going to see a little bit of a blend unit as well. All right. So, uh, yeah, perhaps an actual second unit on the Oilers' power play this season. I- interesting. Maybe a five-man second unit. Still halftime, Monday Night Football. Cowboys leading the Eagles 27. Uh, quick update on the preseason NHL scoreboard. Canadians do win 5-2 over the Leafs. Blue Jackets shut out the Penguins 3 nothing. Early in the third, Stars and Blues are tied 1-1. Kings and Coyotes, Flames and Canucks will start in about uh, 10 minutes. Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, I learned something today. You know, they say you should learn something. I don't know who they is, but they Mm -hmm. say you should try to learn something every day. Here's what I learned today, randomly scrolling Twitter. An interesting piece of video came up and started playing, and then I, quote-unquote, did my research. Did you know that there is a Chucky show starting on Showcase in a few weeks? Oh, cool. Like Chucky the Child's Play doll. Okay, from he's, Child's he's Play. Get, yeah. He's getting a TV show. Huh, it's called cool. it's called Chucky. The the doll from so they're continuing the franchise. No no more of these movies. They're they're coming at you weekly now for TV. This and Brad Dorf's going to be the voice of Chucky. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I I think like the little kid from the first Chucky movie is mm-hmm. in it as an adult. It's it seems to be. I've only seen the first. I think I saw Chucky. I think I saw Child's Play, and I think I saw Bride of Chucky. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Mm. I, I seem to understand what's going on. So there's going to be a Chucky TV series. Well, it's October. Yeah, well, almost October, rest. I guess. So. You, you, don't, you, like, you, you're, you have, you're having, like, no... Uh, yeah, having, I never got into the Child's Play stuff. Like, I mean, that's, you know, great that they're on TV and, that's, and everything, but, you know, good for the fans, I guess. 
Good for the. I was hoping you'd be a fan of Chucky, but you're just like, no, no crazy dolls for Kellen Kennedy. <laughs> you're, you're just like pro wrestling. That's all you do. Like, okay, that, here, here's the. Too bad we're doing this off topic topic right at the end of the show. We'll right. never know what people think. Like, uh, <laughs> what, 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 more, uh, more mainstream interest, pro wrestling or psychotic doll movies? Oh, in 2021, psychotic doll more, movies, probably. Which one's, but. More, which one's more bizarre of an interest for a for an adult man, the uh, pro wrestling or uh, the crazy killer dolls, specifically Chucky from Child's Play? Well, geez, I was just getting energized by that conversation, and and we're out of time. Maybe the next guy will pick it up. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> you heard from Andrew Peer, Dave Campbell, Glenn Gullitson. Glenn's the producer of the show. Kellen's your studio producer. 5.30 face-off show tomorrow, game at 7. I'll talk to you then, folks. Take care! 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.